All right, let's do this. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Post to Post podcast. I am your host, Jason. I'm joined here today by Neil, Neil, and Justin. Justin, thank you for taking the time to download, listen, stream, however you're consuming this. We appreciate you taking the time. Before we dive into the hockey conversation, I just want to take a very brief moment to talk about the podcast, what it is. I'm sure some people have some questions about the giveaway and the podcast announcement, so I'm just going to take a very quick moment to talk about the podcast right now, and then we'll continue on with the hockey conversation. So right now, our, our plan for the podcast is to have it available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and whatever podcatcher app you use. Uh, we're actually going to be hosting with Podbean, and they have their own app, so you can search for Podbean in your iTunes or Google Play Store. If you do not have a podcast app and you're looking to get into it, those apps will find us. Hopefully, any app that does podcatching will be able to find us. And, you know, it's this is the very first episode, so we still have some things to work on in the back end to make sure everything works. But I have full confidence that eventually we'll have everything up and running exactly how it's supposed to be. So the purpose of this podcast is to complement the YouTube show. So what we're going to do is we're going to take conversations, a couple hot topic conversations, actually, and we're going to spend the most of the time talking about those. And every episode is going to have a weekly recap in it, probably at the first, where we talk about the week that just passed. We kind of recap up on scores or any major events that happened in those games that we think are worth mentioning. And then we're going to transition to the hot topic discussions because we want the podcast to be relevant no matter when you listen to it. And if we spend too much time talking about the events that just happened a couple days ago or maybe a week ago, in a month from now, that conversation is mostly irrelevant and the appeal is not there to listen to it. So what we'll do is we'll focus on hot topics that will be relevant no matter when you listen to it. So right now what we've planned is us guys will get together every Saturday morning. We'll record an episode. We'll release it Sunday night so that it's available for the start of the work week. And if you're subscribed using one of those apps I mentioned, it will automatically download to your phone. And when you go to work, go to school, wherever, you have it ready and you can listen to us anytime. So uh, we'll get some feedback for you guys first. We may as well go over the games last night. I don't think many of us stayed up real late to watch them, but we do have the scores here. So the Ducks with a big comeback win last night over Edmonton. Yeah, and I'm kind of upset because it's, it was the first night of the NHL I decided not to watch hockey, and I missed probably the most crucial comeback so far in these, these playoffs. I was uh, I, I, I prepped the show on Fridays. That's what I've kind of decided to do. So I spent time doing that, and then I decided to have an early night since we're, we're recording this such early in the morning. Yeah. So I, I it was 3 nothing when I went to bed. I said, this one's in the bag. Woke up this morning 4-3. Wow. No, um, I look at it and say, wow, Edmonton kind of, in a way, squandered an opportunity here. Could you say it's inexperience that allowed Anaheim to come back in this? You could. You really could, but... I mean, if we look at this series in particular, we know how well Anaheim plays in Edmonton. So it's kind of a scary situation now with the series shifting back to Edmonton. Yeah. For those Edmonton fans out there, we know goaltender interference has been an issue. That's actually our hot topic discussion today. We'll get to that in a bit. But also, uh, St. Louis stayed alive yesterday, too. So that series is now 3-2. Nashville, any comments on that series? or? I honestly thought Nashville was going to wrap that up. Yeah, I, really I, did. Did. I fully expected them to win last night. Yeah, I did. So this is actually quite shocking to me. But at the same time, I'm actually a bit glad because I do like St. Louis. We're doing our, our kind of week in review. So let's get your thoughts on the Pittsburgh-Washington uh, series and 
talk about the Crosby injury because <laughs> I guess that was this week and him skating and potentially playing tonight, which is Saturday for us. So, yeah, I actually had quite a bit of concern with this because if we look at his concussion history, he's never come back from one this quickly. It's always been, you know, several weeks, sometimes even multiple months. So the fact that it's only been a couple days and he's already looking at returning is really concerning to me. Um, I don't think they would be dumb enough to rush it with a guy of this caliber, but it's very concerning because I've never seen this happen with him and he's had multiple concussions. And he's he's taking full-on practices now, right? With, he is. With Yesterday, yeah, his yeah. practice, he had full contact. Uh, he actually skated in secrecy the day before. Yeah, and they, they kicked out all of the reporters yep. and stuff so they yeah. couldn't watch they it. So the he could, yeah, yeah, so he could video, skate yeah. in secrecy. And he did say after practice that uh, 24 hours after the initial hit from Niskanen, he had no signs of, of a concussion. He had no symptoms. He skated the next day in secrecy. He had no symptoms. Yesterday, he had full contact practice. He's had no symptoms. And also another note, Niskanen has yet to reach out to him. Really? Yeah, he made that abundantly clear to the media yesterday that he was told that Niskanen would reach out to him, but he hasn't yet. I'm oh, sorry. Do you think Crosby's the kind of guy who would maybe say he has no symptoms just to get back in the series? Because obviously, even if he has a tiny little bit, there's no way the league's going to let him play. I don't think he would be the type of guy to overlook it and come back because he's had so many concussions in his career. He would know his body more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he would jeopardize you know, his, his future, his health, that sort of thing. And it would also bring into question the medical staff in Pittsburgh and could land them in hot water yeah. if he lies to them or mm-hmm. kind of you know skates around the truth a little bit in order to get back in the lineup and then say something happens to him. That could be their career on the line. Skates around the truth. Yeah, good saying. That's, nice pun. I see, yeah. what you, I see what you did there. Yeah. See, my only concern was kind of what you mentioned was this could be one of his shortest concussion stints that he's had, yeah. considering how lengthy they've been. So that was what kind of I looked at that and said, well, yeah. But so his first one was in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever that or, outdoor game would have been, and it was Steckel, yeah, who Steckel. was the one who cheap shot at him in that game. And to me, that's one of the worst cheap shots I've ever seen in hockey. That's what started the whole thing, and it was actually so severe he cracked two vertebrae. Yeah, and on that play. I mean. The Niskanen cross check was hard, clearly, mm. but it wasn't in comparison to that. Yeah, I mean, he commented so. on that, and uh, that was Crosby's first comments on it. He said it was questionable. You know, I don't really know. It's, it, it happens at high speed. He also singled out the Ovechkin slash, and he had absolutely no problem with that because he said, you know, he's back checking, he's trying to break up a play. What else can you do, right? Mm. Because uh, obviously, he didn't say this, but in this day and age. If you hook somebody at all in the midsection, the arms, it's getting called every time. Yeah. So you always see these these slashes on the, the opposing players. Yeah, yeah, the love taps, trying to separate them from puck, right? It's basically all you can do. Were you surprised to see uh, Vetchkin backchecking? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if, if if I should say surprised or shocked because it might be the only time in his career that I've seen him backchecking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think Crosby was quoted on, on saying that it was just a hockey play for Ovechkin. He was just trying to, you yeah. know, but yep. he, he had almost no comment for the Niskanen hit. No, he didn't. He kind of skated around it. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of funny because if you watched most of the panel shows, they were blaming Ovechkin more than Niskanen. They were saying Niskanen's was just a hockey play. And yeah. He yeah. was just he was just following through, whereas Ovechkin was the one giving the high stick. So I thought that was funny that Crosby was saying, well, he was just trying to do his thing to slow me down. And I, I have yeah. no comment on the Niskanen hit, so... Yeah, you could also call a little bit of a slew foot from Ovechkin as well on the play because you can actually see his right skate come in and kind of take out the left skate of Crosby's. But again, you know, you're fighting for position. Stuff like that can happen. Let's go to the Ottawa series. They're all tied up now. 
Any any comments on that? This one surprises me. It I, really does. I, it, I thought Ottawa too. had all the momentum. It kind of goes back to the Montreal series. I really thought Montreal had this thing wrapped up in the first several games because I saw the compete level from them 10 times above what the Rangers was. And it's the exact same thing that translated to this series. The first two games, Ottawa had all the play, had all the momentum. And now all of a sudden, it's a complete 180 and the Rangers are taking this thing over. It's as if they have a slow start to every series. I don't really know, say, how to put my finger on it, but... It seems like the first two games for both series, yeah. the Rangers were just kind of, you know, they were there, but they weren't fully engaged, even though they did win the first game in the Montreal series. Yeah, and I mean, Lundqvist led in five goals in game three or two? The 6-5 game? Two. Yeah. And he's led in two goals in the past two games, I think. Mm-hmm. He's he's locked in. Yeah. And he does play well at home. So. Yeah, that was a track meet that game, 6-5, yeah. my goodness. In the playoffs, that's that's legendary status. Yeah. It's such a hard series to call because you don't know what New York team's going to show up. And at times they look so deep and other times they look so amateur. Like, how did you get in the playoffs? Yeah, consistency is the key with the Rangers right now. It really is. And you look at the first two games of this series, that wasn't the New York Rangers. If you look at the last two games, that's the New York Rangers. Do you consider the Rangers a deep team? I do consider them a deep team. I wouldn't put them in the top three in the league, but I put them in the top five. Someone recently commented on one of the videos and said that the Rangers are the deepest team in the NHL. Mm, I don't know if I'd fully agree with that. I'd put them in the top five, but not the top three. Yeah. I, top I three for me would be Pittsburgh, Washington, and Chicago. Yeah. That'd be my picks. If I had to lay out deepest teams. In the league. Uh, I think I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And I think all, all the games in the series have been won for the visiting team. Have they not? It's been like that in a lot of series. It's very strange. Like, you know, they're they're in MSG. They don't get the wins. They head to the road. They get the wins. And so some people were saying that it's advantage Ottawa because they think it's, this trend is going to continue. And I, I don't know. I don't know how to react like that. Usually you think you'd play better at home in the playoffs, but that's not been the case in this series. You do see that in some series. I mean, the Anaheim yeah. Edmonton series is another prime example, right? Edmonton wins in Anaheim. Anaheim wins in Edmonton. It's yeah. just one of those things. The game last night was the only yeah. the only difference. Yeah. The Anaheim only won in Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And barely, my goodness. Yeah. But uh, something else with uh, the Ottawa Rangers series, I don't really know how that series is going to go moving forward because of all the rough stuff we saw at the end of the last game. Yeah. Uh, that could transition things a little bit. Yeah. Get a lot of hate going between these two clubs. It could be good or bad good for the fan to watch oh my goodness yeah i loved it yeah do you think the the home losses are are, are a pressure thing because we got ottawa who's not really been a great playoff team you got edmonton who certainly hasn't even been there is that just pressure in front of the fans or is it just coincidental that that's what we're seeing a lot of here well you hear a lot of coaches say well you know we haven't had success at home let's get out on the road see if we can turn the tide on this thing you see a lot of times teams just enjoy getting away from that home atmosphere because with the home atmosphere comes more media. That's just a guaranteed yeah. thing, right? Because you're going to have different uh, you know, newspaper writers or blog writers in the area, that sort of thing. So you're going to have more guys in the dressing room going after you for post-game interviews. Now, if you're on the road, you're not going to get that so much. You can really focus on the game. So yeah, I definitely agree that there's always more pressure in the playoffs, uh, preferably over the regular season uh, when it comes to playing at home. And when a team's on a road, they're, you know, they're all hanging out together all the time because they're, you know, they're staying in the same hotel. They're going out to eat to, all together and stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're at home, you're staying at your house, you're with your family or whatever. You're not, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can bond more when you're on the road and they could bring them closer and 
they could play better on the road. I'd... Your schedule is a little more loose when you're at home. Yeah. It's, you're a little more restricted kind of on the road. Exactly. So I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but this is the first episode. So I'm, I just want to emphasize that this is Saturday that we're recording this. It's going to be released on Sunday. So there is a series here that could be done by the time this comes out. So I just want to take a, a quick second and you guys give your projections. Who do you think is going to win the series now based on what we've seen as of this moment? For which one in particular? Let's just go right down the list. Let's start, right with, down the let's list. start with Edmonton Anaheim right off of last night's crazy um, game. I honestly think Anaheim is going to take it. After last night's game and that unbelievable comeback, I'm leaning on the experience. And the Anaheim Ducks are a very experienced team, especially when you stack them against the Edmonton Oilers. I think Anaheim's going to take this now. I completely agree. I picked Anaheim to win the cup, so I will definitely pick Anaheim to win the series. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to agree too. Uh, what about Nashville? What do you think of there? I'm still sticking with Nashville. They came out in this series strong. They proved that they can dominate St. Louis, much like they did with Chicago. And if they can take out the Chicago Blackhawks four straight, they can wrap this up. Nashville's a very, very, very good home team. And the next game's at home. I say Nashville wins this series in game six. And I'm assuming you're thinking your Penguins are going to finish this off (laughs) 4-1. To be honest, I'm still a little questionable if they can get the job done tonight. Um if anything, I think Washington can pull one more win out of the series, but there's no chance in hell that nope. they win three straight. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. No, it's 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 not going to happen at all. Sorry, Capitals. It's I th- I happen. think they win one more. I think they win the game tonight. They play tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they win the game tonight, but then Pittsburgh finishes them off in Pittsburgh. What about the uh, Rangers series? I honestly think everything is in the Rangers' hands right now because they basically, I don't want to use the word embarrassed, but they really outplayed and outmatched the Ottawa Senators in the last two games. And if in game, uh, excuse me, game three, if Ottawa couldn't adjust for game four and basically end with the exact same result, I'm sorry, it's just not looking good for Ottawa. And the Rangers are a more experienced team than the majority of the players on the Ottawa Senators. See, I'm not sure if you guys agree with this, but... Like Ottawa jumped out to that two nothing lead in the series, but they didn't win the games by a lot. They were very close games where you could argue that New York didn't really show up or Lundqvist didn't have his great games as six yeah. five game game two. In my opinion, I don't think that the Ottawa Senators are really even in the same tier as the Rangers if they play their best. It's a lot of grit and a lot of willpower where New York can really play a structured game and shut teams down, and that's what they've done to Ottawa in the past two games. And they will continue to do so the rest of the series. I don't think Ottawa is going to win another game. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a bold one. I'd give them one. I'd give them one more game. Just because sometimes, you know, you can get a bad bounce. Lundqvist could let in a bad goal. Of course, not intentionally. But yeah. I would give them one more. All right. I don't think they win the series, though. So that's our week in review. Now we're going to get to the hot topic discussion, which has oh, yeah. to be goaltender interference. And I'm going to preface this by saying that our show notes were made on Friday night last night, which was before the game happened in the Edmonton thing with the Kessler arm on the pad. So we are going to talk about that. We've all seen the clip. We're just going to wing it. So if you've seen the game Friday night, there's a big mad scramble in front of the net. Kessler's down. He puts his arm in front of the top part of, of the pad, and he just holds it there. And then the, eventually, a couple seconds later, the puck goes in. To me, that's goaltender interference. We go back to game four. You got Perry coming in, skate on skate, and then he kind of bumps into the goaltender and, again, We've seen that called goaltender interference multiple times in the regular season. I read kind of a very biased article from the Edmonton Journal. I want to make a couple notes, and we need to keep in mind that this is biased. But some points here I think are are worth discussing. And the article was by David Staples. And there is a video that was released by NHL.com where they show 
Kevin Pollock, which is the referee on the on the ice, he's talking with the war room in Toronto. And in the video, you can hear him saying thing like, what do I say to Corey? I tell him to stay out of the blue, which he does. And I don't think it's a deliberate act. It's a skate on skate. So it sounds like he's talking to the war room in Toronto. And coming out of that, he's he's he, it seems like he's most concerned about what do I tell Corey Perry rather than what should the call be on the ice. Hmm. So do you guys have any opinions on that? Or I guess one of the other points I have here is, is should referees consider player intent when ruling for or against interference, or should it just be if you interfere, you interfere? Whether like, do you think referees are able to judge intent? I think there should be no subjectivity for it. I don't think. I mean, a ref could subjectively decide one way or the other, and I I think that's the main problem, and that's like that's the problem that everyone has right now. They don't know what goaltender interference is. There has mm-hmm. to be. It's either it has to be black and white. It has to be. It has to be. If there's any contact with the goalie, then call a goaltender interference. Like it. It, that that's going to cause problems too, but I'm so sick of this. That's Corey Perry's game. Like it is. That's that's what he knows what to do. Yeah. Like he's kind of like a Brad Marchand in a way. You yeah. just he's going to be in there. He's going to be trying to do those things. You know, it's it's obvious the call should should go one way, and then they go to Toronto and it's upheld. And you just scratch your head like Ron McLean and them on Hockey Night in Canada. They were just reading the rule book yeah. and they didn't know. They couldn't explain to the viewers why it was goaltender interference. And then when the plays do get reviewed. All the ref does is he says, after review of the play, we got a good goal. And he points at the ice. There's no explanation yeah. for the fans or anything. Like, mm-hmm. Do you think they need to do a better job of explaining their decision-making process, or at least explain why? Because it's obvious that, that there's there's contact between the player and the goaltender. Should they explain why that contact is not interference? I really think they should, because obviously the coaches are going to get that explanation. Because the first thing they do is they stand up on the bench, they're waving yeah. their hand, they want the ref to come over and talk to them. Say, okay, why has the call been overturned? Why did you come to this decision? Or why did Toronto come to this decision? So they're getting that explanation. But as the fan in the arena or the guy watching at home, you are not getting that explanation. And to me, it just makes you more pissed off. It really does because you want to know, okay, well, what is the reasoning for this? Because as a viewer, I'm looking at it and I'm clearly seeing it this way, which to me means, okay, this should not be a goal. Yet all of a sudden they go to Toronto, they overturn it. It's a good goal. He points, good goal, and we have no reason why they came to that decision. So we're just kind of left in limbo, and it really sucks. They need to communicate that to the fan base. Yeah, communication is definitely a problem. I'm going to read a question from the article here. See, the article seemed to think that they were focused on the initial skate on skate, which is very obvious from one of those camera angles, like like the angle that was behind the net, if you've seen it in the actual game. He comes right in, he hits the defenseman. I can't remember what defenseman it was. And then Perry comes in and skate on skate with the goaltender. The goaltender stays up. You do see his pad kind of move to the side. And then he gets right in front of them and it kind of hinders him from getting his blocker arm up. And that's what that's what the argument is, is he was interfering and not able to make that save. But it seems like, according to the video that they put out, they're more focused on the skate on skate. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, in terms of delay of game, these, these review calls are delaying the game more than anything, if you oh, ask yeah. me. So are they trying to rush that process and just get a quick answer out and then get the game going? Or For me, there's two points here. One, I find that when they come in and they do go to Toronto to review something, they focus on a specific thing based on what the referee is telling them via phone, right? The referee gets on the phone to Toronto and says, okay, this needs to be reviewed for so-and-so. But to me, they should be reviewing everything. And the prime example is that Kunitz goal in the Washington-Pittsburgh series where they reviewed it to see if the puck had crossed the line before the net came off, okay? The puck did cross the line before the net came off. So they said it was a good goal. 
then trots challenge for goalie interference they review it for a second time and then they come back and say <laughs> yeah there's goalie interference it's not a good goal okay are you kidding me so when you reviewed this you stuck to a specific section yeah and you didn't review the entire play like to me it made them all look like complete morons yeah it really did and second i think the rules should be revamped a little bit and if you call a coach's challenge and you are wrong you should receive a minor penalty Oh, I really believe this. I firmly believe it. This is going off topic, but it's just going to be Sorry. one question. So I'll ask you this. If a coach's challenge is issued and they cannot determine the outcome, should they still lose that coach's challenge or should they maintain it? I still say they should lose it because what do you, what do you of the So if it's game. inconclusive. Like if they if they say this goal, goaltender interference or offside, they review it for five minutes because sometimes that seems what happened. Yeah. And they say it's inconclusive. We cannot tell whether it was or was not. No, I think they should still lose it. I think they should still yeah. lose it. Okay, because that's been an argument online that some people... But again, that's just going to slow the game down more again. Yeah. So following Justin's last point, I want to read the question from the article and then have you guys comment on if that's all right. Okay, this is what the the uh, David Staples says in his article. He says, If the referee missed Perry's contact with Tabit's stick and the blocker the first time, watching the play from various video angles would have shown that contact. So basically, if on the play he's seen the skate on skate, and didn't see the bump during the during the replay. He's going to see the further contact. If the system was working, it would have allowed the refs to make the proper call. Why wasn't it done? Did the refs not see this in other video showing the body to body contact? Were they only looking for confirmation about the skate on skate contact, which they had evidently noticed when the play unfolded, but not looking for any other contact? Or did they watch all of the video and only focus on what confirmed their initial call on the ice that it was a good goal? If so, this is a classic case of confirmation bias, the refs using video to confirm what they had just seen and believed to be true, but not finding a way to look past that strong initial impression for contradictory evidence. Yeah, you always got to look at the play leading up to that specific incident that you're trying to review or confirm, as well as what comes after, because I think a lot of that really ties into what exactly you're trying to uh, conclude here. You know, was it a good goal? Was it goalie interference? Was it offside? That sort of thing. You want to look at everything leading up to that specific incident to come to your decision. Maybe the player was pushed into the goalie. Maybe a player tripped and kind of fell over the blue line. You know, who knows? You got to look at everything leading up to that. You really do. I am a firm believer of confirmation bias, like this guy said. I seriously believe that refs don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be made to look Nobody like Nobody wants to be wrong. Like Yeah, but... Personal and professional life, you don't like being wrong? No, I mean, I, I understand it. It's just, it's it's very frustrating because it exists. I'm, I will say, it, it does exist and it's a problem. So if it's a problem, do you think when a review is done, it should be done by a third party, whether it be completely done by the war room or someone upstairs? They have a, maybe a, a fifth ref upstairs? Yes, I think it should be done and reviewed by someone who has something a little bigger than a calculator to watch it on. See, that's another issue. We'll get into that. What is your your opinion on the little 7-inch, 8-inch tablets or 6-inch phones that they're using? It looks so pathetic. In our Coach's Challenge video that's up on the channel, I ranted about this quite heavily. I said, when you have two grown men standing around what looks like a miniature iPad looking at the reviews, I mean, how pathetic does this look? Yeah. Do we know, like, is this thing 4K? If they zoom in, is everything remaining clear? Does it become pixelated? We don't know these things. And to me, if I'm making a decision this crucial that could perhaps judge whether or not a team advances to the next round, I want to be 100% certain. I want to look at something a little bigger than an iPad. I want to have every possible angle. I want to have as much clarity in the video quality as possible. But to me, the entire thing needs to be revamped. 
And it's kind of like 99 all over again, right? With the foot in the crease. Yep. You know, this coach's challenge thing is really coming back to bite the league in a big way. So one of the reasons people are kind of for the little pads, well, I guess not for the little ones necessarily, but they don't want the game being taken out of the hands of the referees calling the game. But my argument to that is usually when they dig out those pads, they're talking to Toronto. And I don't think it's very likely that Toronto is going to give them some advice on the phone on what they're saying. And then the referee is going to disagree with Toronto and make their own call, judging on that little six inch, seven inch screen. So the game is already coming out of their hands and essentially, in my opinion. Yeah. And I understand it, but like, so what's, what's the right decision here? How do they, is it better to protect the quote unquote egos of your refs? If you're a league officer, or is it better to get the call right? I get the call right. Um, I was a firm believer when we did the coaches challenge video that as soon as a challenge is issued, it should be decided by Toronto and not the referees on the ice. The referees on the ice have something invested in the game They do have kind of a stock, I guess, is what you could say, as a mature ref or a young ref trying to make a name for himself. They definitely have something invested here with the players and so on. There are relationships between uh, the referees and the players, especially ones that have been around for a long time. There's a respect level there. So obviously, to me, that's going to sway their decision making a little bit. Whereas if you go directly to uh, the review room with Toronto, well, chances are they don't have as much invested on the ice. And I believe they are the ones that should be making the decision, not the referee. They have so many angles, so much technology in that room. uh, We'll never really know the full extent of what they're able to see when it comes to hockey play review. So I'm going to wrap this goaltender interference up. I'm going to ask both of you. I'll start with Neil. Okay. If you're the Edmonton Oilers Saturday morning, you've had two games in a row where goaltender interference missed call has basically cost you the game. What do you think? I'm pissed off. I'm furious. But what can you do? I mean, you can complain to the league, but it's not going to change anything. And it clearly, I mean, they complained the first time. It didn't change anything for the game last night. So if they complain again, is it going to change anything for the next game? Probably not. So, like, it's frustrating. I think that's the word you have to use. Like it's... And uh, before you before you answer, I'm going to say, like, Edmonton was up 3 nothing. They let them come back into that game, obviously. So it was more than just the goaltender interference, but the goaltender interference was the tying goal with 15 seconds left in the game. So you can say directly that that missed call did cost them that game. Yeah, it really did. And if I'm the Oilers, I am beyond pissed this morning because like we said earlier, I think you had mentioned it, Jason, that we really just don't know what goalie interference is anymore. And it's beyond frustrating. Perfect word that Neil used. It's frustrating because they can complain all they want. Absolutely nothing's going to change. It's unfortunate. It really is. And it it shouldn't have went that way. So I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there's conspiracy theory tinfoil hats going on on the internet this morning. I'm sure there is. Do you think, because earlier in, I think it was the last set of series, uh, Ottawa had some problems with missed calls or calls like icings and and things like that. Do you think there's a bias against the Canadian teams because they want an American team in the finals for better viewership? I, I know a lot of people have said this i've seen this on the internet everywhere so you're right there is an internet conspiracy i personally don't believe that's the case yeah we're not saying we agree with it we have our (laughs) tinfoil hats on right now we're just saying that this conversation is happening out there it exists and yeah i i don't think that's a thing yeah I, i don't agree with that either however i will add that i think the nhl should be looking into all their linesmen all their all their officials because throughout the entire playoffs regardless of series I've seen a lot of messed up calls, a lot of missed calls, 
even between the officials and the linesmen, where a play was clearly offside, you know, they whistled it down or they whistled it for icing. It clearly wasn't icing. He did gain the center line, that sort of thing. And I think they should be working with all these individuals in order to make them better. This actually makes me think of a conversation I heard maybe last year. NHL is very protective of the referees. Like you don't hear anything coming out of that department, whether it be discipline or missed calls or things they can improve or hirings, firings. Like there's there's absolutely nothing like like how much do you know about the process the referees go through? Like, are they interrogated? Like, or not interrogated, but, you know, do they get interviewed after the games and say what they did wrong, what they did right? Like, do you think there's too much protectionism of the referees or do you think it kind of needs to be that way? I think it needs to be that way because, I mean, you can interview a player after the game and stuff and that's just expected. And they, I mean, it's, they're superstars. People, fans want to see their, what their favorite players have to say. Nobody has a favorite referee. Nobody has a picture of, a referee on their wall at home. They don't care what referees have to say. They just care that they get the call right. And it's frustrating that you can't hear what they have to say when they get the call wrong. But I think that's that's how it has to be. They have to be protected. If they do have a call wrong that's not reviewed and goes to Toronto, do you think the league should come out later that night and say that they they believe that the call was wrong? Or do you think they should stand behind the referees and just, like how they're doing now, just stay silent and then the fans can erupt and roar saying they're out to get us it's kind of a gray area you know because the referees uphold the law so to speak for the league so if you have a referee who's doing interviews after a game or that sort of thing it could really come back to haunt the league depending on what this individual says because at all times the league has to try their best to always uphold integrity right to the full extent that's why we see referees so protected we see them not doing any interviews off the ice. I mean, Kerry Frazier was a referee for how many years? Yeah. I've only ever seen anything outside of an NHL game when he retired. Yeah, exactly. And he started doing his uh, his little spiel there with TSN. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember what it was called. but um, It's where he re- reviews plays yeah, where and he gives reviewed, his opinion. He reviews plays. And it's awesome. Gives his opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it because it gives you an inside perspective on how a referee is going to review this play, which is really cool. And I've learned a lot from that. Yeah, we, we've never seen anything like that before. No, no, that's, no, a, that's a big thing missing from the Sportsnet process. Mm-hmm. And specifically with the two Edmonton games now, I mean, they're, they're missing an opportunity, in my opinion, to have someone like that expl- try to explain the call or missed call. And like I said, when you have Ron McLean and the three other guys sitting in that panel with a rule book out and they don't know what to tell the viewers, I think that's a huge problem for the league. Yeah, it really is. And I strongly believe that if, okay, after going to Toronto and the referee, they decided to overturn a goal, there should be kind of a spiel given as to why this decision has been reversed. Can Toronto not send that referee something on that little iPad so he can read live to the camera and the audience to let everybody know why this decision was made instead of just pointing we have a good goal or (laughs) you know based on review we have goalie interference so no goal okay why you know elaborate please i don't i don't want to interrupt here but i have i'm going to backtrack a little bit and i have a question this is a podcast so we can do whatever we want we can do whatever we want this there's no time limit i want to talk about technology so hypothetically if they left the decision in the ref's hands as it is now with technology over in near the score area how do they make that better? What's the best technology to improve the situation? Do they literally install a 55-inch 4K TV as a board panel and get the refs to sit down on the ice with a remote control and flip through the... like? Personally, I think the referee should be led into a quiet room because in reality, how much can you really hear or how much can you concentrate when you have upwards of 20,000 people 
yelling that it's no goal or a good goal. You have players constantly skating around all around you. How are you going to concentrate and make a really unbiased decision on what's right here? I think they should be led into a quiet room. Like a, I really do. like a little phone booth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little phone booth. You know, start the timer, give them 90 seconds, whatever, because obviously you want to turn this around very quickly. And that's why I said this should automatically go to Toronto because instantly they have every possible camera angle. They have everything at high speed, yeah, great quality. They should be the ones making the decision, not the referee, because it just looks pathetic when you have two grown men standing you know, off to the boards with a little iPad <laughs> in front of upwards of 20,000 people to make a decision that's this crucial. It just looks terrible. So I don't want to say too much here, but a couple of days ago we had a special guest, Neil and I did. Justin wasn't here in the studio. And one of the things that was brought up was putting a little chip in the puck. And I'm going to go to baseball for a sec. I know this is not a baseball conversation, but in baseball, a lot of players and teams have problems with different umpires calling different strike zones. So they say, why not install some sort of technology where you just know whether it's a strike or not? And there's a lot of backlash against that because it's, it's not staying true to the sport. Do you think that same argument goes for hockey? Whereas you'd have a chip in the puck where if it goes over the line, you know, or do you think it should still be kind of instead of digital, maybe like analog where the refs are the ones making that call? I would be all for it. This is a conversation that I know came up through various media outlets a few years ago based on a lot of plays where they ruled it inconclusive because they couldn't clearly see the puck across the line because it was mixed up in the goalie's equipment. Some people had maybe stormed the crease, a bunch of bodies on the ice. If you had some clear-cut technology in the puck as well as the goalpost so that something would go off, an alert of some kind, if that puck fully crosses the line. It's 2017. This could be implemented very easily. Just like the technology they're going to be implementing into the players' jerseys, which will track their skating speed to give an average. It'll track their distance skated every single game. So more advanced stats for the fans. So if they can implement that, why can't they implement this? I can't see an argument against it. I think it could only improve the game. That's right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be used every time. It could just start off, if, if there's people against it, it could just start off for those times, like you said, where the goalie's laying down and the camera's looking at him and you just don't know where the puck is. Yeah, that would be one of the only real incidents where they would need technology like this because obviously we can't have a camera under the ice looking up because they want that ice to be that shade of white in order to clearly see the puck. So this would be the next logical move in order to counter that because there's a lot of times where I'm sure we could look at that and say, well, that's a good goal. The puck has to be across the line, but unfortunately we can't clearly see it. So it's ruled inconclusive. And I hate that word inconclusive. Yeah. There should be, you should be able to make a decision on every single hockey play. If Nothing they, should be inconclusive. If they didn't use it in the regular season, I think I'd be fine. Like if that t- technology was available and it is, if they didn't use it in the regular season. I'd be fine with that, but it needs to be used in the playoffs in games that matter. Big time. Kind of moving away from that a little bit. What has shocked you the most so far in the playoffs, whether it's the first round or the second round? What? Lack of consistency when it comes to officiating. Uh, I could look at one night and say, wow, you know, they're really letting them play. And then I look at the next night and man, if you even skate too close to an opposing player, you're getting a penalty as well as goalie interference. You know, as we talked about earlier here, it's a big, big topic because I myself being a fan of the game, for so many years, I no longer know what goalie interference is because one night you see the exact same play, it's rule of goal. Next night you see the exact same play, the goal is overturned. I'm going to ask this question even though we kind of already did in a different one. It's funny because this is episode one, 
but actually episode two has kind of already been done because yeah. we had it we had a, a quote-unquote special guest with us but we couldn't use that episode for the first one so we're using it for number two so look out for that coming soon but one of the questions that i asked the person in that episode was was this and now i'm gonna ask justin do you believe rules should be called by the rule book or do you believe in gray area slash spirit of the game and what i mean by this is if someone slashes a guy or someone hacks a guy do you believe that those should be called down every time because some games you'll see those called some games you, you won't there's there's a lot of inconsistency between different referees and different games different nights even and one of the arguments against it is you don't want to spend the whole game on the power player and the penalty kill but the counter argument is once the players realize they can't get away with all this stuff it's going to be out of the game and it's just going to be a faster slash cleaner game. What What is your opinion on that? My opinion is if it's a penalty that's going to result in a goal or results in a team not scoring a goal on a specific play, it should be called. If you get a little bit of rough stuff behind the play, that's the spirit of the game. You know, little slashes, little cross checks, little pushes. Is anybody getting injured on stuff like that? No, it's getting players engaged. It's those penalties I really hate. But if you have two guys that are clearly fighting over possession of the puck, you know, in the crease, let's say, and somebody slashing at a guy, that's something I'd be more on the side of, okay, well, that should be a penalty because you're preventing this guy from scoring a goal, that sort of thing. But if it's just stuff carrying on behind the play, that's no harm to the play that's ongoing, I'm all for that. That's the spirit of the game to me. Do you think the pressure is on referees like never before now? Oh, obviously, especially with the technology. I mean, there's times where fans are actually reviewing a play before they are reviewing a play on a coach's challenge. We already have the angles. Heck, even the coaches, they instantly have replay of a play that happened 10 seconds prior in order to decide, okay, are we calling a coach's challenge before they drop the puck? Technology has just exploded. And the fact that coaches can have this on the bench, they can instantly see everything on review, what the other team has done in the last few minutes in order to try and counter it. So technology is creeping into all sports beyond anything, really. And to me, it seems kind of funny because every time there's a whistle, you, they do a shot of the coach on the bench and he's just sta- staring at his yeah. feet, looking at the little tablet on the bench. I just think that's a funny thing. Do you have anything that shocked or surprised you or just... Natural Predators. Really? Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited because I picked them on a whim thinking that I would be wrong. <laughs> and somehow I was right. I picked Anaheim and Nashville in the conference finals in the West. And watching Nashville play such a structured game, not not as structured this series as they were at the previous against uh, Chicago, but it's exciting to watch that team because it's like they're having so much fun when you watch, like just on the bench, they're laughing. PK Subban is just, he's having the time of his life. And on that, and then on PK Subban, if they do somehow manage to win this thing, how do you think Montreal Canadiens fans are going to react? I know they're going to be happy for him, but do you think they're going to, it's going to resurge that anger they had for the trade? Or do you think they'll just be happy for him? I think they'll be very happy for him, and I'm sure that there'll be some fans that will be disappointed, but they can't be too disappointed because we have Shea Weber, mm-hmm. and Shea Weber is... Shea Weber. He's the man. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like you got back Chattenkirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think Montreal fans would embrace him with open arms because, say, if Nashville did go all the way, they won the Stanley Cup, I guarantee that would mean that Stanley Cup is coming to Montreal. And that would be a huge thing because Subban's basically reached a godlike status in the city of Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything he's done for that children's hospital. What better image than seeing P.K. Subban return to that hospital with the Stanley Cup? That would be absolutely incredible. 
And I know there's a lot of players that don't like PK or or fans that don't like PK Subban, and there's a lot that do. He's kind of a black and white kind of dude, is whether you like him or not. Kind of like Marshan or someone like that. Yeah. But I think for what the guy does off the ice, I think he deserves respect. And I think I think it would be a good thing if if Nashville won and he brought that cup to because you know he'd take the cup to that hospital. He'd show those kids, and those kids would be having the time of their life. I want to. Okay, we're gonna kind of start wrapping this up in a little bit, but. I wanted to talk about the Post to Post YouTube channel. Yes. You guys hit 1,100 subs last night, which is pretty big. Huge. Pretty quick. Faster than we thought it would be. Way faster. Since this is a podcast and we kind of talk about whatever we want for however we want, just give us the process of what goes into making an episode from the planning to the actual doing the recording to the equipment you use to the editing, and then just give it a, a ballpark time frame of how long in general each episode Kind of the more simpler episodes would take, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, actually Justin comes up with most of the ideas. Uh, he's got lots to say and uh, <laughs> in a good way. I mean, we had, at one point we had over 80 episodes planned. I think we're down into the low 70s now. We've filmed some of those. But we have so many ideas that it's it's exciting because we always have stuff to talk about. And so we'll pick one of those ideas and... So Justin and I work together, as you know, but I think I've said this on the channel, so other people probably know it as well, but Justin and I work at the same company together. We take lunches at the same time. We come back to my apartment. We film, depending on the topic, two to three videos. Uh, and, and I mean, the, some videos are quick. Some videos are 10 minutes. And then it comes into the editing process, which you want me to talk about as well. So uh, we use mics off Amazon. They were like $30. <laughs> Uh, I have them fed into a mixer, a Behringer Q802, whatever. And then that goes into my laptop, which you see on the table in some videos. I have a Canon 6D filming us. And I sync the audio by clapping at the beginning Mm -hmm. and sync it in post. Uh, If I was smart, I would have the audio fed into the camera, but it's just too much work to make that (laughs) happen right now. So so that's that's the technical setup, I guess. yeah, we'll just like, we won't, we'll pick a topic. We won't discuss it beforehand on purpose because we want the conversation to be genuine and we just sit down and we just talk and sometimes it's good and admittedly sometimes it's not great. Uh, luckily for us, most of the time it is on the good side versus the bad side. I, I think that's what people like about the channel because it's not just one person having to talk to themselves or mm-hmm. to a camera. It's, I can bounce ideas off Justin. He can bounce them off me. He'll say something that instantly makes me want to say something. And I think we have a good dynamic. The conversation goes back pretty decently. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll film a video. And I would say a, a video that's 15 minutes long usually takes me about two hours. It depends on a few things. But uh, the process is basically uh, I load it on the computer and put everything in Premiere. And then I take the audio and export it to Adobe Edition. I fix the audio, bring it back into Premiere, and then edit it, do the intro, whatever you call it, the the intro video that mm-hmm. the, with the song and stuff, and then put the thing at the end, the, the outro uh, graphic, and then I do all the transitions and then export it. Uh, so if it, for a 15-minute video, the export time is usually around 50 minutes or so at 1080, and a process that's about the same amount of time is I upload it to YouTube, and while it's uploading, I create the thumbnail. And so that, that is, can be time consuming depending on what I'm creating. And then I have to keyword 
on YouTube, and then I have to keyword the automatic tweet that goes out when I post a video, and then I need to select the upload or the record date, and then I need to select the playlists that it goes into. It's it is a it's a process, but it's fun. Clicking that publish video that publish uh, button is addictive. It's fun. And now that people have been talking about your icons, there's a little bit of pressure to make sure you don't skimp out. There is. And <laughs> actually, admittedly, recently I have skimped out because I've just I've just needed to go to bed, to be honest. It's it's 2 a.m. and I just need sleep. And the, the editing process takes does take so long. I just want to go to sleep. And mm. so I, I, I skimp out on thumbnails sometimes. But. So for those that are listening to this as the podcast for the first time who don't know the YouTube <clears> channel... Again, like I said on the top, make sure you check it out. But I assume, at least initially to start, most of the people that listen to this are going to be from the channel. They are going to be familiar with you guys. So one thing I'll ask Justin is, what has it been like for you from that very first day when Neil said, hey, I'm going to start doing a YouTube video about hockey? And from my understanding, you were game from the very beginning. How, how like in your opinion, how has it been starting in January to now we're into May? Just describe that experience. I've been having a blast. I know when Neil first started this thing and I took notice of it, I said, wow, this is really awesome. And this is something that I could see myself getting involved with in some shape or form. And I know he had reached out to me and said, hey, how about you come on for one video? And instantly I became like an addict for just having to do more and more and more (laughs) because I knew there was potential there, especially after reviewing on YouTube for quite some time and looking at various hockey channels. I said we could really step in here and really take a chunk out of it because of the quality that Neil brings to these videos. Right away, I noticed, okay, this has surpassed quality for probably 75% of hockey-related channels on YouTube. And I think that is a big thing that people are taking notice of. They're looking at, okay, wow, they have a green screen. These guys are legit. They know technology. They know how to kind of legitimize everything. Plus, I think another big factor is we try at all times to not be biased. You know, Neil has his favorite team. I have mine. And we support and talk about every franchise, every player, if it's a current topic. And I think that's another big factor and our likability. I mean, we do throw in a little bit of comedy into the channel as well with little intros, little outros, that sort of thing. So I think that's something that kind of lightens the mood to say that, hey, you know, we do have a sense of humor. We are not robots and we can have fun (laughs) as well. I think that's a good aspect. But no, I'm just having the time of my life and I'm happy to be part of it. So you're known to, in a couple of videos, take the, uh, I don't know what the right right word is, but you become the evil guy. (laughs) You're the villain. Yeah, I'm the villain. And I know sometimes you, you reply in the comments, but like Neil's account sees every comment that comes in. So Neil knows everything that's going on the channel. Like you and I on our own personal accounts, we don't see everything that's uploaded all the time. So it's hard to follow them. But do you enjoy having people disagree with your opinion? Because I know... There was one. There was one episode where I was there as well. I wasn't in it, but I was behind the camera, just kind of watching. And I think it was the Ovechkin video. And <laughs> Neil was just saying, like, "Okay, you're gonna play the bad guy." And and Justin was just like, "I'm going for it." And then we did the intro, and he went for it. And Neil and I were both shocked at how hard you went at it. And so obviously, you must embrace that a little bit. Oh, definitely. Especially when it comes to a topic on a player that I absolutely despise. And <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin is a player I absolutely despise. So I have no no second, uh, second guesses on how I'm going to talk about him because I think his play just allows me to talk about him like that. 
if that people don't agree with it, I mean, that's perfectly fine. However, there are people that do agree with it. I'm not a big Alexander Ovechkin fan. I'm really not. And I'm not scared to show that. That's who I am. And uh, that's a player I hate. <laughs> and it's important for us to speak our minds. I mean, we are talking publicly, but we should still be honest. Like, I don't like Boston. I love Boston. You love Boston. I, I don't necessarily love Boston the last couple of years, though, but they're still my team. Yeah. I like Boston more now than I did five years ago, but I still don't like Boston, and I'm not afraid to say that. And I don't think, like like Justin said, we like to talk about all teams. In fact, I enjoy talking about other teams more than my own favorite team, Montreal, because it's fun. It's fun to see other teams. It's fun to talk about other players. Look at the salary caps for other teams. It's enjoyable. When you talk about your own team, you try not be biased, but you can't help but become emotional because you're emotionally invested in their success. So to talk about another team, to watch other teams, especially in this playoffs, is enjoyable. That's fun hockey. Mm -hmm. Watching my own team play in the playoffs is stressful. <laughs> See, and I don't really go on YouTube a lot with you guys because I don't like being in front of the camera. Like It's very rare when I just agree to do one. But if I were to go on when you guys were to talk about a Boston Bruins series, I would have been overly harsh on them because that's just how I am with my team. Yeah. I, I look at the negative things. And I know you guys know people who are like above the world positive about their teams. Yeah. So I think when you're a fan of a team, it's hard to be balanced with it because you just it's just they're your team. Yeah. You're either going to be super for it or super against it. So a lot of things people have been requesting on, on the YouTube channel. We'll just talk about this real quick. They wanted you to do things like your your favorite goal anthems or songs or <laughs> show some of your favorite plays. And I, I'll let you talk about this really quickly just to put it out there. But there's obviously legal and copyright things that we cannot do on the YouTube and on this channel because you don't own the rights to legally play those. So they're requested all the time. So I'll let you just take this moment right now to say... We can't do it and why we can't do yeah, it. Yeah, so I'll give an example. We did a Crosby, when Crosby um, slashed Mathot, we made a video on that and I showed clips from that play. Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that. Um, is it an issue? It is, but at the same time it's not. The NHL saw that video. They claimed the copyright for it, but they allowed the video to stay up. They didn't say take it down. They didn't say, you know, you can't do this. They were like, okay, we see you, we see you have the clip of ours. We're okay with that but you can't make money from this video, which is fine because I wasn't making money from it anyway. It wasn't monetized. I understand it. And for that reason, even though they technically allow me to keep the video up there, I don't want to burn any bridges. I don't want, I want to have original content and I don't want to take other people's mm -hmm. content, even though they're billionaires, it's, it's still not right. So no, I can't show my favorite clips. I'm not going to show any video anymore because I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as that channel who's you know, steals content or whatever. No, I can't play goal songs because that's also audio copyright. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I want things to be original. So no video stealing, no audio stealing. That's, that's the goal because to be successful on YouTube, you have to be original. You have to be able to potentially monetize all of your videos. If you have a sponsor, you sure as hell better have original content and not be stealing because that is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I will speak for you in a way sure. where I'm speaking at you. This isn't Neil coming through me. I'm just speaking. Sure. So Neil has a fair amount of money invested in equipment and in software like the Adobe Creative Cloud. For people who don't know, 
it's like 50 bucks American a month. And up here in Canada, that's crazy. When you start getting conversion rates and all that, there is an investment that Neil is making to have these on YouTube and he's not making money off it right now. And nobody likes advertisements. I don't like advertisements. I'm sure you guys don't either. Nope. So a sponsorship, if that ever did happen, I think that would be great for you guys. Yep. If you have to put on the ads at the start of the video, no one's going to like it. But most of the ads you can skip after a couple seconds anyway. And to me, like knowing you guys personally, I think there there should be a point if the growth continues that you get rewarded for the time investment and the financial investment of this channel. I know you guys don't like talking about that, but everything that's great and small has a cost. And I personally, I think the fans of the channel would actually understand that. Yeah. And and I think I speak for the fans when I say I hope the channel continues to grow and I hope that you guys do get some sort of reward for the time and effort you're putting in. Well, you got to spend money to make money, as they say. That's right. So, uh, I mean, I, I started the channel not to make money. I started the channel because I'm a hockey fan and I love YouTube. And I wanted to combine the two passions and I did that. And it's, it, although it is fun, eventually it would, it would be nice to be financially compensated. So yeah, I definitely hope that we get a sponsor someday. Uh, I don't know how soon that day will come. And we just passed a thousand subscribers, which in the sponsorship world is a foot in the door. So pretty excited about that. But it's not, if I don't get sponsored for another two years, I'm still going to be making videos. Absolutely. Because it's fun. Mm -hmm. But man, if we could have a sponsor to pay us, I don't know, monthly or per video or something like that, where I could take that money and invest it in better Mm -hmm. equipment, more lights, better green screen, a better table, you know, mics, mixer, additional cameras. There's so much. there's There's so much that you could do. And with more money comes better content and better content comes more subscribers mm-hmm. and happy subscribers and it's just a cycle it just keeps exactly going. yeah if, if we look at i'm going to talk about another youtuber uh good mythical morning Rhett and link their production quality is insane and they've been and rightfully so they've been doing it forever they've got over 11 million subscribers on youtube and they employ over 35 people and it's incredible if i could say if i could do that in 10 years <laughs> that would be amazing Will it happen? No, of course it won't happen. Yeah. But one can dream. One can dream, yeah. Uh what's planned for the channel? Like not goals, but like what do you what do you what's in the pipe, like short term, long term? Um, well right now it's just to be consistent. Uh I at, I think the first video went up on January first, the first day of this year. I might be wrong, maybe it was December thirty first or something like that, but I'll say it was January first. By January first of twenty eighteen. I hope to have over 350 videos, so close to a video a day. That's honestly the goal as of right now. That's that's it, and just have fun. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any closing thoughts, uh, Justin? Or would I have ever predicted the sub count to be as high as it is at this juncture? Not in a million years. I think in one of Neil's really early videos that he did solo, he said it would be cool to have 500 subscribers by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, we've doubled that. It's crazy. It's been, it's been over. I would have never predicted it in a million years. I am beyond ecstatic. I'm having so much fun with this because I have an amazing outlet to discuss hockey which to me is just you know the ultimate thing in my life because, man, do I love hockey. Yeah, and because, I mean, <laughs> basically, we're doing what we did every day except for we're filming it now. Yeah, that's right. And we like we talk hockey all the time. We're just filming it. That's the only difference. 
And I think the great thing about it is if, if you go back to like 2014, Neil and I have been trying to start a YouTube we slash have. podcast channel for years, yeah, years, <laughs> years. We've had so many different ideas and we started a little bit and we just never got around to it. Yeah. And then he came up with this idea to start this hockey channel. And I thought about it. And like Justin said earlier, there's a niche there where it is. it's not being tapped into fully. It's like there's a couple of guys on there that, that have, you know, a decent following base. But I mean, you could look up almost any other topic on YouTube and you're going to find hundreds, thousands, millions of different people talking about it. And to me, the hockey one is just untapped and the growth could be exponential. And I think it's just a fantastic idea. Yeah. Like what there was a moment when I realized that when I realized that there wasn't someone. I mean, there's a few guys. Don't get me wrong. Like you guys have said, there's other hockey YouTubers. Is their quality the same as post to post? I don't think so. And uh, do they know more about hockey than me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But while well, we've seen it in the growth, people appreciate the quality, I think. And once I realized that there wasn't someone producing content that was enjoyable to watch and also had quality, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, I could see, I could see the future and the future is becoming reality. And I'm not trying to insult you here, but if you look at your <laughs> second and third video and then compare them to what you put out today, yeah. it's night and day. So if, if you want to think about where the channel is going to be going into 2018, you just can't imagine how much better it's going to get. And I, I think that's going to be the key to, to skyrocket you guys up. So yeah, it, it, lots of lessons learned, I yes. guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think we've been talking long enough. Yeah. I think this we is... should uh, wrap it up. I just want to say just briefly, um, if you're listening to this, if you've made it this far in this first podcast, uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, if you haven't, if you're listening to this off of YouTube and you don't know who we are, definitely go check us out. Uh, that'd, <laughs> that'd be neat. But uh, thank you, everyone who's subscribed, who's watched a video, who's commented uh, negatively or positively. We appreciate the engagement. Uh, it just really means the world. So I just want to say thank you. Well, one other note I wanted to throw in there just before we end this was I think the Post to Post YouTube channel is different than others in another big area. And that's because we've kind of built a community following with the channel. Exactly. We interact with the users quite heavily. Uh, as Neil came up with uh, reading mean and nice comments, that sort of thing. So it really gets them involved, which to me, I don't see a lot of other hockey related YouTube channels doing. Mm. And I think that's another thing that really sets this apart from the competition. And that's something that, you know, I would like to just continually embrace and continue doing because it really gets the users involved. Uh, we had, uh, the giveaway at hundred subscribers. Yep. There's going to be another giveaway coming very soon. 1000 subscribers. So, I mean, these things are going to continue and it's only going to further the community that we're building here. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think there's any other hockey channel that is giving stuff away, especially this early into the life of the channel. Uh, uh there is, but only on Patreon. Okay. So, so they're not, paying for that. Exactly. These are just random people showing up, liking what you guys are doing. Yep. They're sticking around. They're talking in videos. And then you throw out a giveaway. And then the comments were just massive. And then the one guy that received the first giveaway, I think his name was Squitman. Yeah, he actually he, he received it yesterday. He commented and, and told me he, so, he got it. So he's sticking around. So that's, that's great. Yeah, and that was an awesome giveaway too. I had a lot of uh, my personal cards from my personal hockey card collection uh, that I threw into that giveaway. And I was happy to do so. And uh, I hope Squitman is insanely <laughs> happy with that. And I'm curious to hear back from that individual on, you know, what they think of the cards and if they're really happy with what they received, which I would be shocked if they said they weren't happy with it because there was a lot of good cards in there. So <laughs> and he saying. knew what he was getting in advance as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the next next giveaway will be a jersey. I've already said that. 
Uh, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm going to be making a video about this very soon. Okay. So we'll wrap this up. Thank you guys for coming in. Thank you for having us. And thank you for hosting this podcast Uh, for now and in the future. I would much rather be the invisible face than the visible face. (laughs) So once again, guys, if you have any feedback at all, whether it's on the YouTube or on this podcast, hit Neil up on Twitter at post to post show. You can write him an email post to post show at gmail.com. If you're coming into this podcast as someone who doesn't or is not familiar with the YouTube channel, even though we've kind of talked about it for quite a while now, head on over youtube.com slash post the poets. It's very similar to this kind of discussion. Now these guys just hammer out ideas, talk hockey. It's great. Subscribe, like the videos and uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks guys. See ya.